Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Diet Riot Podcast. With Brooke and Alyssa Miller. Both Millers. Both dietitians. Both from the Midwest. Both moms. Both live in Denver. Yeah, that made more sense to go after Midwest. Uh Midwives. What? Midwives. Uh, Both married to men that start with the letter J. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, (laughs) we um, have a special episode for you today. We actually got interviewed on another podcast. And so we are going to upload that interview for you. So it's pretty awesome. We will eventually have them on the podcast and we'll interview them, but this was us on their podcast. So the podcast is the, um, keeping it juicy podcast. So you guys might already be um, subscribers of theirs or might be familiar with their podcast, but they invited us on to talk about intuitive eating because what else we talk about? Oh yeah. Everything else. (laughs) Yeah. But we focused a little bit on um, why weight loss is not a good resolution and the issues with weight loss as a new year's resolution. So our last, well, our previous episode, um, we talk about good resolutions to focus on that are not related to weight loss. So we kind of talk about what to focus on. But this episode with that we're about to play is more focused on um, why weight loss is not a good New Year's resolution. Yeah. So I um, hope you guys are enjoying your first week or two of January and hope this podcast helps give you a little bit of clarity as you start to see people, you know, coming off their diets or quote unquote failing at their diets, or um, maybe you yourself decided to take on a diet, which by the way, no shame if you do decide to try to um, we lose weight or anything. There's absolutely no shame from us. We just are trying to give you guys the facts and um, make you kind of put the science to what your body is actually doing when you get super frustrated. So this is an awesome interview. I was really happy with how it went and what we talked about. And I think um, there's some really awesome information in it. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Enjoy it. Welcome, everybody. This is our episode 57, and this is actually Diet Riots episode 60. So we have very special guests on each of our podcasts today. Um, We'll just go into a little bit of the history of the Diet Riot podcast. So if you want to give a brief introduction of yourselves for our audience, Mm -hmm. go for it. (laughs) Okay, you start. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Um, Yeah, we're the Diet Riot podcast. I'm Alyssa. I'm Brooke. And we're both dietitians and we love chatting so much that we used to get in trouble at work. So we decided to start a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) have a place to record our conversations. So yeah, so I'm Alyssa Miller. I'm a dietitian, super interested in intuitive eating, of course, which is why we started the podcast to have an outlet to talk about that. Um, But I also work a lot with moms and um, how to feed their children and keep their intuitive eating nature. Um, So that's kind of what I do on the side. But then this podcast is more focused towards mostly women, I would say, and how to um, become intuitive eaters and get out of the diet culture crap, riot against the diet riot culture. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I'm Brooke Miller and Alyssa and I became dietitians about seven years ago. Um, We're both from the Midwest, which is really exciting. And we're both moms, which is also a big topic of a lot of our podcasts. Um, so I welcomed my baby boy almost a year ago. He has Down syndrome, had open heart surgery. Um, so my focus, I love focusing on kids as well, but more, um, more things with like feeding therapy related. And then I was also a breastfeeding coordinator at my last job. So I 
have a really strong passion for breastfeeding as well. And yeah, we just got in so much trouble at work talking. <laughs> so the Miller Corner at work has turned yep. into a podcast. Yep. And um, yeah, so we started Diet Riot about a year ago as well. So right around the same time as you guys started yours, which is awesome. Um, and we freaking love podcasts. Like we would give each other podcast recommendations all the time. And our interests are super varied, but obviously we're both dietitians. So we were like, we need to create a podcast and chat about this. So we decided to create Diet Riot. Uh, my husband came up with the name in like a freaking second, which is like the best part of the podcast. I love our name. I know. So yeah. I love your name. Oh, it's so cool. And he came up with it. Talk about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hating on diets, pretty much. Um, we do a lot of episodes breaking down real diets that are out there that people are following and why they suck. So <laughs> we do like, talk about pros and cons. Yes, we so, do. you know, we'll go into the scientific research and then we have a lot lately of guests. So we've had, we've had guests talk about eating disorders, intuitive eating, um, had a therapist on that was super helpful. So like, yeah. because we're dietitians, we come at like the nutritional standpoint, mm -hmm. but it was really cool to see a therapist come at it from like a more mental arena yeah. for like, disorder practice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah. That's exactly why we wanted to have you guys on this episode mm -hmm. because the whole diet culture society is a freaking mess. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like New Year's resolutions just go like hand in hand with that. And there's so many problems surrounding it, but we'll definitely mm -hmm. dive into like the pros and the cons of that. So I just found like a really quick statistic and it's from um, Psychology Today. Actually, they say that 80% of diets fail by February and <laughs> I totally believe that there's probably a lot of other statistics floating around with that too. Um, that surprises me. It takes till February. <laughs> I know. I feel no, like, like exactly. two weeks, two weeks, yeah, January 3rd yeah. and no more keto. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Very true. I think it surprises me more so that new year's resolution diets and all that ads start popping up. Like not even when January comes around, like not, it probably even starts at the end of November, beginning of December, just getting people's mindset ready for the fact that go ahead and cash your money into this, starting off in the new year when they just spent a lot of money on Christmas gifts and all that stuff. Yeah, everything's getting earlier and earlier, right? Like all of our, um, like Hobby Lobby has <laughs> Christmas stuff out in July, like everything. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's, I think that's a really good way to identify diet culture and like, crap that people are trying to sell you to lose weight or to, you know, focus too much on your body is like, if they're trying to sell you something that mm -hmm. will be ever changing, that's probably a good, good indication that that's diet culture trying right. to sell you that you're not good enough. You're not, you know, your body's not enough and your body's not welcome here and Which you need to change it. it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so with that being said, let's kind of um, go into New Year's resolutions. So what do you guys kind of see as the main problems with it? Like, is it, are the expectations too high? That Are the goals unrealistic? Like, what do you guys think about that? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. So I think that people, so I'm actually in a lot of support groups. Um, I won't say specifically <laughs> which groups, but um, just a lot Put of different mom support groups. And um, one of them specifically is people put their current body weight, their goal weight, and the amount of time. And every time I see it, it's 
A, it's like completely unrealistic. Um, and so when you're setting the bar to a place that you can't, you can't reach, you're just going to feel disappointed. Um, and then just people are always like grasping for the next best thing. So when something doesn't work, when the diet eventually fails, because all diets will fail at some point, um, then they say, oh, I need to go back to that. I need to go back to that or I need to go on a new diet. And so when you're chronically dieting, you're actually like messing up your metabolism and you're messing up a lot of systems in your body. And so I think the expectations are too high, but when when you start jumping on these diet bandwagons, it's going to fail eventually. And so then you kind of crash and burn and then you feel like you need to try something else. I failed, but really the diet failed. Um, and I think the industry is just really, they're smart. They know that people are going to fail on a diet. And so they'll throw out the next best thing to try. And again, it may work short term. And by work, I mean, you may lose weight short term, but long term, you're not going to keep it up, keep it off. And typically you end up gaining more weight back than when you started. So just like the yo-yo dieting mentality, I mean, it's just not going to work long term. Um, so it's, I feel like it's just really sad. That. It is. And the, the New Year's resolution comes right after a really hard season of the holidays yes, for people. And if you struggle with disordered eating or, you know, you are constantly going on diets, you might right around Thanksgiving say, okay, from now until January 1st, I'm going to eat whatever I want because I know January 1st, everything's going to change. I'm going to finally make this diet stick. This is the diet that's going to work. And I'm going to start losing weight and feel great. And by the summer, I'm going to be teeny tiny and in my little bikini or whatever. And it's like what that creates instead of peace around food, you then have a scarcity mindset for two months of the year, which is like insane. the most stressful time of year <laughs> Yes, where you have this scarcity mindset where, Oh, January 1st, I'm never going to have these foods. So then what do you do at Thanksgiving? What do you do at Christmas? What do you do around Christmas cookies? What do you do, you know, on all those foods that you don't feel like you're ever going to get again ever in your life, or at least, you know, for several months into the next year until your, your ideal weight, whoever told you what that weight was, you overindulge to the point of literal sickness and you don't stop until January 1st. And then all of a sudden your body goes from all this food and influx of food and your body doesn't know that you're dieting. Your body doesn't know that you're trying to lose weight or look good in a bikini. Your body goes, holy heck, now we're going through starvation. We better pack on the pounds. We better keep the weight on so that we can survive this famine or this fam famine yes. <laughs> to get to the feast that we just had, that we just came out of. So you know, I think a lot of people think our bodies are on board with us when really their goal, our body's goal is to keep us at homeostasis, to keep the peace, to keep things regulated and make sure that we have enough sustainability in our bodies to provide for us during those famines. And people really think that I can just live in a famine the rest of my life. And that's not how our body works. It's yeah, really it's hard. Unrealistic. Totally unrealistic. All the yeah. time. I say your body is designed to survive, mm -hmm. not to be skinny. You have mm -hmm. to work with it and not against it. And by starving yourself, you are doing yourself absolutely no favors. You're working right. against it more than you're working with it. So of course you're going to, you know, mm -hmm. break your diet and the diet is going to fail. It, it's just too much. Totally. So let me ask you guys this. Um, how many people do you know right now that's already trying to do a New Year's resolution diet? I feel like people don't tell me <laughs> because they know how, what my stance is on it. Um, so yeah, I feel like people may be doing it, but they're not telling me. 
Yeah, I definitely like people, especially since we've been doing the podcast and, you know, obviously we're always telling our friends to listen. They know they're pretty like well aware of our stances on diets. And so, yeah, I agree. People don't really tell me, but I saw this on Instagram the other day that I thought was so important to point out just because your diet doesn't have a name or a label doesn't mean you're not on a diet. And so one, I think the actual like Instagram was, was like, um, counting calories and keeping to a certain calorie limit is a diet. Maybe it doesn't have a name, but that's restriction. And that restriction leads to that mental um, thought of scarcity, which tells your body that food is scarce and we better eat it while we can. And I thought that was a really interesting like way to put it because I think Brooke and I, especially early days in our podcast, talked about how we, we've never really been on a diet. But looking I, back, yeah, <laughs> looking back, was. I had food rules that were controlling my thoughts around food. So even though I was never on keto or I never did, you know, these labeled diets, it's still creating a mentality and a stress level in my body that um, I needed to work against my body, like you said, versus with it. So that being said, I don't have a lot of people coming up to me and being like, I'm starting keto. What do you think anymore? Now that we have the podcast, I used to for sure. But now I have people saying things like, oh, I really need to watch what I eat. I need to be good around I need food. to cut my sugar out. Yeah, I cut need it down. Exactly. So they'll say things like that to me a lot when they just need to listen to our podcast more, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, duh. Because it, so- it sounds like they're being good, but really that's still a diet. If you have food rules and you're not giving yourself unconditional permission around food to eat what your body needs and wants as well, then that's still a restrictive mindset you're putting on your body, even though it's not labeled. Right. And then and the morality around food, like I'm so good because I ate a salad. I'm so bad right. because I ate pizza. It's like, no, you're not good or bad. Food is food. And yes, some foods are going to probably make you feel better. Some foods are probably going to make you feel sluggish and just identifying what those foods are for you is really mm-hmm. helpful. But what makes me sluggish may not make you sluggish. I mean, even caffeine, we were talking about that. Like I could have a cup of coffee at 10 at night and nope. crash. She couldn't, nope. but like <laughs> up till 4 a.m. Yeah. I mean, it's just cap. I mean, everything is so different. Right. Yeah. And it's the same thing at my um, workplace right now, since I work at a dialysis center in the daytime and people, I guess, don't really think about it. And I know I'm the main dietitian there and they know I'm a heavy practicer of everything in moderation. They probably see me eat everything known to man. But like, I, <laughs> I always come yeah. across people who are like, oh, I'm going to stop eating after this. I'm like, it's only two o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> what, are what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to bed two. at like 4 right. p.m.? Yeah. Right. I, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just noticed that in my workplace, working with a whole bunch of nurses, that's just what I've come across. And then they're doing all of this keto, intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is such a huge thing right now at my workplace and just in general, I've noticed. trending everywhere, yeah. Yeah, we did a whole podcast on intermittent fasting, which I feel like we pulled a lot of good scientific data in that episode. And we talked about there are some benefits for some people. However, like it, it, for most people, it's not, the benefits are not going to like outweigh. Yeah. Typically when people are coming at intermittent fasting with a diet mentality already, or a food, you know, scarcity situation that that's going to create more scarcity in your life. So then when you are in your eating time of day, you're going to go way overboard and ignore your body cues to eat, to overeat. And that's interesting. You, you say that you work with a lot of nurses because I do find nurses 
struggle with disordered eating, just, you know, as a generalization. Dietitians do too. Well, yeah, Yeah. for sure. (laughs) But nurses, you know, they do those 12 hour shifts. They're doing overnights. It's really hard for, I think it's really hard for nurses to listen to their bodies because they are going against a lot of their bodily needs. A lot of the time they're working so hard their overnight shift on their feet, you know, it's hard they don't to get regulate. to eat sometimes. Totally. I mean, yeah. it depends on the shift and the, you know, if they're in the ICU or general, like it, yeah. it totally, I know this yeah. applies to a lot of people. I just, I have been to a lot of nurses too. Yeah, and, and they feel that way where they're like, I don't even I've feel hungry during the day. Too. Oh like, yeah. That's true. They're very, uh, I don't say challenging, but challenging yeah. uh, people to work with because they are almost trained and the job to ignore their cues you know they right. can't go to the bathroom they can't get a snack when <laughs> yeah. they're like, they have to just right. suppress it so they don't have those cues as well as you know some other people might sure and did you feel so Alyssa and I started working from home um as two feeding dietitians glorious three years glorious. three years ago we <laughs> yeah. like went from working in the office at home and I was really nervous because I was like oh no I'm gonna be home all day by myself <laughs> I'm gonna just I'm going to eat everything in sight. And so I didn't, funny. you know, I, I didn't at all. Like, but I was so, I remember yeah. like having anxiety about it and thinking I'm going to gain weight because I, I'm just going to sit around all day in my office, never leave. And it's like, and snack, and snack all day. And it's like, I don't That's so funny because I think I was the exact opposite. Cause I, you guys, I used to bring a bag of stuff. Oh work yeah. With me, so did I. My whole drawers, like who needs paper when you can have snacks in your drawers? <laughs> She oh my God, best. I do the she same the thing. Best, she had the best snack drawer oh, and the best It was chocolate. fantastic. Yeah. I had chocolate. I had cashews. I had she bars did. for days. And anytime someone came and they're like, oh, I forgot my lunch. I'm like, don't worry. I have you. Covered. She was. Yeah. <laughs> I had so much food because I was, it's that scarcity mindset of like, I hate, I hate being hungry. I'm cranky. I'm irritable. I'm angry. <laughs> I'm all the negative things that you can be. I am when I'm hungry. Right. So I had like this scarcity mindset. Whereas when we worked from home, I put zero planning for food. I was like, I'm around it. Who cares? And I probably ate far less at home and actually was able to listen to my body because there's not a lot of distraction, you know? So I don't know. That's interesting. I know, but now it's, it's glorious working from home. It, it is glorious. And like that, you're right. Like when, when I started working from home, I just ate when I was hungry. I'd be right. like, oh, it's 10. I should probably make breakfast. Yeah. Um, some days I make breakfast at seven. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's just like I eat breakfast and I make breakfast whenever I'm hungry and I love that because when we have to go into the office to train, it's like, well, I have to eat breakfast now at <laughs> 6 a.m. Or yeah. I have to bring my breakfast and eat it when I'm actually hungry. And, and so, it's hard to anticipate, you know, when your schedule changes for anybody, whether you're working from home or you're in, you know, a situation, if your schedule changes, it's hard to anticipate when you might be hungry next if you're not yeah. used to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we're in the office or when we're at home consistently, it was like, okay, I know I typically get hungry around this time. And you can kind of tune in and, and pay extra attention to those cues. But whenever we'd have to go in the office randomly, it would be like, okay, I eat at 6 a.m. Because before I go to the office, I have no idea like how long that's going to last me. Yeah. Because so. some days those cues hit you differently than others. Like today, I'm freaking starving. Sure. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I sh- shouldn't, or whatever, shouldn't be at yeah. the quite normal time yet. It hit like two hours early. Right. But, you know. And it totally can be like dependent on what you had for breakfast. Like today I did not have my eggs and bacon and it's very depressing. Um, but I had Best a waffle. Eat bacon. Yeah. That's oh, I, eat, I eat bacon every day and I did not have my eggs and bacon and avocado toast, my typical breakfast with fruit. That's my typical breakfast. And mm-hmm. I was in a rush. I had to go to church 
and then work at church. And so I literally was dying at the end. I was like, I'm going to go and do it. Like, I'm going to die. I'm so hungry. I, <laughs> I'm not going to make it. I like didn't have enough protein for breakfast. But you know, it's like reading those body cues yeah. of like, okay, for me, I know I need a lot of protein in the mornings, but for somebody mm-hmm. else, they may be fine on waffles in the morning and make it until noon. I can't. Yeah. And this has like taken us so much time. Like I was just talking to my husband the other day where I was making this comment. We had mentioned in another podcast we did that I used to be a freaking fiend around chips. Like chips are my favorite food. I freaking love like they're sour. What? No. It's like, I used to not bring chips into our house because I was like, well, if they're there, I'm just going to eat them. I'm just going to eat them. And I proved myself right. Every time there was chips in the house, I would eat the entire bag or a good hefty amount until my tongue was all like scraped up from chips. But now we have like eight bags of chips at our house all the time. And I like rarely dig into them because when you give yourself unconditional permission to eat it, you actually find that you binge less because you're not afraid of not having access to that food later. But as a caveat, that takes time. I'm on year six, five, Mm -hmm. five or six of a really long time. Yeah. And I mean, for some people it might come faster, but for myself, it took, longer. And I think too, as I get older, I care less and less about what other people might be judging my food or things like that. I've let a lot of that go. And I've been able to listen to my body and my body. I think my body responds faster. Like I was talking to my husband when we were 18, I literally feel like I could have had a salad or a burger and my body would have been like, I don't care. I don't care what you feed me. Just feed me. Yeah. Whereas now that I'm 30, (laughs) my body is definitely more affected by what I'm eating and I can tune into it better. So it kind of all comes together slowly. And that's the cool thing about intuitive eating is like over time you gain momentum, you learn your body more and more and learn what works for you and leave behind the rest. And that takes t- serious time, not just uh-huh. like a week of oh, intuitive yeah. eating. Yeah. <laughs> like it's you shared how long it took because, you know, one of the big issues with people setting these resolutions is they don't appropriately set the amount of time it's actually going to take. Totally. Yeah. I've been working on my, you know, intuitive eating shoot for probably about the same amount of time. And some days it's awesome. And some days five steps back. <laughs> so yes. it's an ever changing, ever fluctuating. And you know, what I can eat now is going to be totally different than even what I can eat in five years. Because like right. you mentioned, what you ate when you were 18, isn't going to really work now. What right. it just, it changes. Sure, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I know. I have two glasses of wine now and I'm hungover. It's like, <laughs> I could drink way more in college. Oh, man. What happened, what happened? to me? So yeah. I need like 18 million cups of water. Otherwise, I'm dead. I know. <laughs> it's so true. And then when you're like a woman and your body goes through pregnancy and breastfeeding, then it's like, oh, that's crazy. I'm sure that's oh, my gosh. a lot too. Everything. You can't speak on that, but I can no. imagine. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And you get used to, you know, intuitive eating. What's wonderful about intuitive eating is you can't fail. There's no failure days. There's only learning days. You're learning Mm -hmm. yourself, you're getting curious and you're growing. And even on days that you're like, you feel like it's five steps back. It's like, no, this was a learning experience and you respect and honor that your body had to go through that in order to move forward. So a big part of my my story I've talked about is with nursing my son. I, I got pregnant early on in my intuitive eating journey and then nursing him, I was ravenously hungry. Oh my gosh, yes. And I would, and like more than pregnancy. Oh, way more, way more. So I would eat ridiculous, like all the time. Literally a coworker came up to me, Abby, if she was listening, and she was like, 
are you ever not eating? Like she didn't say it in a judgmental way, but just like literally like you're always eating. And I was like, I'm so hungry all the time. But then I stopped nursing my son, but then it was this habit of eating all the time. And it felt weird if I didn't have food nearby. And so I had to like unlearn that and be like, oh, it's okay to listen to my body again. And and it it's okay that it's changed and kind of gone through those fluctuations. And we all go through that. Like even just being students versus working full-time versus being at home with your kids or whatever your lifestyle looks like, that's going to ebb and flow. And that will affect the way that your body needs and metabolizes food. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. One, when you're pregnant and nursing, it's like, you care so much about the baby and you you're wanting to try to at least when you're pregnant you're wanting to try to get food down and eat enough that the baby can grow and then when you're nursing you don't want your milk supply to dip so you know if you you know start dieting you can't diet when you're nursing your milk supply will go down um and so it's just like you care so much more about somebody else which has been great because i love I feel like it's easier on the intuitive eating journey to be pregnant or nursing because it like you have to be focused on somebody else besides yourself. But before you get pregnant, when it's just you, it's like, it's so easy to get trapped into how you look and like what you look like in a bikini and all of these things, because it's like, well, yeah, I'm just depending on me. Like I have to worry about me. I have to keep myself alive and I have to, you know, focus on what I'm eating. But like when you have kids, I mean, you're just like, I need to put food on the table. So that everybody survives. And you're so focused on nourishing that baby that you're growing. And like, I tell people this too. It's like, act like you're pregnant when you're eating intuitively or act like you're on vacation. Like the way that you eat on vacation is like, you can go and eat these foods and have this permission to enjoy it and, you know, eat and have grace with yourself and not be so dang hard. And that's, that's the other part that I get really sad about in January, February. It's like, one of the highest months for depression to hit. And it's like, yes, the weather, I think is a huge (laughs) part of that. But also like these people are setting unrealistic goals, then falling short. And then they have these mountains of shame and guilt come on their shoulders where it's like, it's not your fault. This is your body. And instead of taking a stance of honoring your body and encouraging it to do what it needs to do to survive and literally keep you alive, we're beating ourselves up for not losing 20 pounds in a week or however, you know, whatever. And it's just, it's really sad. It's really hard to watch. And it's really cool when you come to a new year in an intuitive eating journey, because it's so freeing to not have to listen to all the crap being peddled to you. Right. And with new year's resolutions too, like there's so many resolutions that you can make that are not related to um, diet. And even like you could still make some resolutions regarding food. So like I would like to try to eat more fruits and vegetables. I would like to drink Mm -hmm. more water. I would like to get more sleep. I would like to actually eat a good nourishing breakfast every morning. You know, like there are some really good New Year's resolutions that you can make regarding food. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, you, you need to avoid it. You need to make a resolution that is not regarding food or your health. But it's like, make something that's realistic that is going to benefit you. Like, we could all eat more fruits and vegetables. Like, nobody's going to argue with you on that. We could all drink more water. So picking something as simple as that, you're not not as likely to, like, fail, you know, Mm -hmm. than focusing more on what you're bringing into your diet versus right. what you're trying to Restricting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the results will follow, you know, focus right. exactly. on the process versus that outcome that we get so obsessed with, you know, focus on the process, enjoy the process, the outcome will follow. Right. Uh, totally. So with that being said, do you guys have any other like suggestions for a better way to approach New Year's resolutions? Or let's just say, you know, someone 
is really set on setting a weight loss goal for the new year, how would you go about actually setting that goal? I would not <laughs> let them. I mean, I mean, you know, right now, like I'm a tube feeding dietitian. I work with mm-hmm. mostly cancer patients. Our goal is weight gain. Pretty, I would say 99% of my patients, our goal is to get them to gain weight. They're malnourished or maintain their weight. They're going through treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as my full-time clinical job, like I'm actually trying to get weight on people. Yeah. Um, even if I have, you know, clients who are like, uh, you know, the one perk about this cancer is I'll finally get underweight. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, that's, I like, I've we're not, that too. I'm not like, my goal is to not get you skinny. My goal is to get you to beat cancer or like me get through your treatment, um, as healthy as you can. So if a client came to me outside of this and said, I want to lose weight, you're going to help me do it. I would say, no, like I will help you with different healthy habits. Mm-hmm. You may lose weight. You may gain mm-hmm. weight. You may mm-hmm. stay mm-hmm. the same, but you know, there's so many things on the inside. We can improve your glucose. We can improve your triglycerides. Like we can improve your sleep. We can improve your stress and cortisol levels, mm-hmm. which will improve a lot of things, um, inside your body. So there are so many factors of health that weight, I don't think is a reliable one. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this picture, but it's like, I think it's like five women and they're all the same weight, but they're all different yes. body types oh, next yeah. to each absolutely. other. Yeah. 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 And I love that because it's like, you could be like, for instance, my brother, he's a, he's an MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. He weighs a lot. Like he's terrified. Yeah. He's like six foot. He weighs a lot. And if you look at his BMI, I mean, it would say he is obese he has like 8% body fat. He's just a beast. And it's like looking at him on paper, just seeing his height and weight, you would assume like, Oh, he's so fat. He's so unhealthy. No, like this kid is is so in shape. And so, um, I hate weight. I hate, I don't think that it's reliable. Uh, I think the only time it's okay to weigh yourself is if you know, like you're pregnant and you're wanting to make sure that the baby's growing. Um, then your doctor can keep an eye on that. You don't even have to look at your weight. During your yeah. pre- you didn't look at your no, weight during your pregnancy. Time. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was tracking it. My baby wasn't growing. I, I yeah. literally was told to stop exercising. Yeah. I'll be clear. My midwife was tracking. Yeah. I didn't, I yeah. didn't look at it at all. It's and not so, important to me. Right. And even like we do have our cancer patients track it like, Hey, once a week, let's just make sure you're not losing weight. If you're not mm-hmm. losing weight, we're good. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly we think that the scale is worthless and well, and we, it's, it's one tiny piece of yes. the puzzle to your health exactly. like weight right. absolutely there's literally so much weight put into weight being part of your health that's totally inaccurate based on literal misguided studies or studies that are funded by people trying to help you lose weight so it's it's really hard i think for me if if someone came to me saying i want to lose weight period i think you have to drill down you have to do the work and figure out why do you want to lose weight where is that actually coming from not a place of vanity or whatnot where is that coming from? Because nine times out of 10, it's coming from a place of shame and insecurity and coming from a place of, I don't feel like I need to take up this much space. I don't feel like I deserve to take up this much space. I don't feel like people respect me or look at me, look me in the eye because I'm overweight or fat or whatever, according to whose ever guidelines that are out there. And I think it's so important to do the work of loving your body where it is right now, today. I'm talking to you, whoever you are right now thinking, that you don't deserve love and your body isn't worth anything right now, it is. And it's so beautiful and it's literally keeping you alive. Mm-hmm. And instead mm-hmm. of focusing on getting smaller so that you can feel better about yourself, 
go at it the reverse way. Feel better about yourself first and then see what happens with your body. Regardless of it getting smaller or bigger, you're still going to love it. So it's like, that's such a good foundation to start with. And then if you get smaller, I honestly believe that those are not the benefits you're going to focus on. If you end up in like endorsing and including intuitive eating and you do happen to lose weight, which is absolutely not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that's not the first thing you say when, when people say, Hey, how does it feel? How does it feel to be an intuitive eater? I don't think you're like, I'm so much smaller. I'm so much skinnier. I can fit into this. (laughs) It's not. not. I guarantee it. And it's just so heavily focused on in our culture and in our Mm -hmm. minds. And it's so sad to watch. No, I was just going to say, if you don't love yourself now, how are you going to love yourself at a size three? Like, totally. Right. And not, it, you, you don't. All the time. <laughs> and if you get to that goal weight, it's still not going to be enough. So like, I can tell you right. any number in the world that I want to be, I guarantee you if I like only focus on weight and I get to that number, I'm still not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I love the analogy of like, okay, so if you have a child, like we have a child. If I look at my child and- it Sounds like we have a child together. We do. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> We're We're both millers. Um, No, so like you can look at your best friend, your parent, your um, your spouse, or your child. Look at somebody that you love unconditionally. And if like my son were to all of a sudden get chubby, would I look at? Well, he is. He has arm rolls because he's like under one, and (laughs) he's awesome. Um, But would I like love him less because he was overweight? If my husband all of a sudden gained fifty pounds. Would my love for him decrease? No, it wouldn't. And so we have to look at our bodies the same way. Like I need to love myself at my current weight. I need to love myself. Like my pregnancy weight was quite a bit higher than what I weigh now. I still loved myself the same. And then postpartum, I still love my body the same as I did before I got pregnant. And so you just have to like give yourself unconditional love, just like you would a child or a spouse or your mom or your dad or your brother or sister. Like that and needs to go. Yeah. Way. When you list things that you love about them, like I've talked about this, like with Brooke, oh, yes. Her, me loving Brooke has nothing to do with the way that you look or how much you weigh, like zero. Like we, it's, it's so important to look at it through that filter of a, yes, my love for this person wouldn't change, but also it's not what drew me to them. It's not like, I was like, Hey, you look like a great weight. I think we You're should be skinny. friends. I only want to be friends with you. I actually said that. Like, oh God. I know. Imagine. Like, oh Yeah. You have the oh, body type I like, so we'll be friends. But like, oh my gosh, Allie, no, we can't be friends. Yeah, right. But it I just sounds want- so ridiculous. Like, hey, Arda, you're 130 pounds. I like you. Yes, <laughs> right. But it's sorry, I'm 10 right. pounds. Like, how you're stupid. out? You're out the circle. It's like I- mean girls. Like, you can't stay with us anymore. Right. Right. And I think it's actually important to notice. Like, this is not talked about too often. Um, is that sometimes culture plays a role and that can play a huge um I don't know a setback or obstacle like take for example like my parents are come from Turkey they're very completely different culture background mental health does not exist and I remember um they were looking at my sister for example and they were like well if they fix her if she fixes herself on the outside she can fix herself on the inside and i was like that does not work at all (laughs) alarm bells are ringing off right and like they don't understand that so like that's a huge obstacle in itself um i guess that's just something to keep in mind like not just i don't know if if you know what i'm trying to get at right here um totally yeah and i think we kind of touched on it too it's like 
those little small habits that you can bring health into your life do have nothing to do with weight. So like one that I tell people is like, get curious. And we talked about this, our episode with Claire Tuning. I love mm-hmm. the way she put it. I love her. Yeah. Uh, was like, get curious about how food affects you. So like, Hey, what happens if I eat ice cream for breakfast? I've never actually done it because I've been too afraid. What actually happens to my body? What happens if I eat broccoli for breakfast? How many of us eat broccoli for breakfast? I would say probably not a lot of us, but this morning I had broccoli for breakfast. So freaking good. It's like you change your mentality around food from I can't, I shouldn't, I won't, I'll get fat, I'll gain weight. That's so unhealthy. You know, my blood sugars will kill me, whatever it might be to, Hey, what actually happens in my physical body? How do I actually feel when I fill in the blank with anything, things that you might have already feelings around that's good or that's bad or that's. I should do that or I shouldn't do that. Take all that away and literally get curious about how your body responds and start there. And eventually the, the, and the, the food chatter in your head will happen for a long time. Even now, I still have some food chatter that I have to like shut up and be like, what are you talking about? You literally talk about this for a living. <laughs> Stop talking about it in your head and put it aside and get curious to how your actual body feels. Because no one on Instagram and no one in, at your gym is going to know how your body actually responds to certain foods. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with so many of these diets that people start following in January is it's this like cookie cutter, like here's how you do keto. Here's how you do intermittent fasting. Here's how you do vegan. And it's like, but you don't, you haven't given yourself enough time to know what foods actually work for you and which ones don't. So totally, of yeah. course, you know a lot of these diets are going to fail. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So I think we're just about wrapped up. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just want to say thank you guys for hopping on this episode with us. We love your perspective on everything and you guys were the perfect fit for this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for reaching out. This is an awesome collaboration. We love being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Awesome. So yeah, we will catch you guys in the next one. Sounds Sounds good. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed our interview with the Keeping It Juicy podcast. I super, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I think there were some really good questions that they asked us. And the dietitians there are Christine and Dietetics Anonymous. Yeah. Christine is a nutritionist. I believe she's getting her master's. So you can correct me if I'm wrong in nutrition. And then the Dietetics Anonymous. I don't know if you guys follow them on Instagram or follow her on Instagram, but um, pretty freaking hilarious. So good memes. If you want some good good memes and good memes, follow it. Yeah. It's pretty funny. It's a lot about like your internship and (laughs) becoming an RD. So if you're an RD, you'll find it funny. If you're not an RD, you may not understand all of the jokes because still, I just looked at a few that were yeah. just popped up this um, week and they're pretty freaking funny. Yeah, pretty <laughs> so thank you so, for the entertainment dietetics anonymous. Yes. Um, thanks for having us on your podcast. Keeping it juicy. Make sure to check out their podcast. And um, if you're coming over here from their podcast, thanks for being here guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Welcome you to the diet riot community. Thanks so. for being a diet rioter. Yes. Oh, and while we have you, we want to remind you we're doing a giveaway. So if once we reach a hundred ratings on iTunes, um, we're going to go ahead and draw a winner for our giveaway. And what do they win, Brooke? You're going to win an Amazon gift card. Boop, boop. Intuitive eating the book. Healthy yeah. at every size the book. Check. Fit snack snacks. Boop, boop. And. Diet riot merch. Oh, yeah. Merch, guys. That you have to Swag. wear every day. Swag. A you swag have to wear bag. it to the gym. You have to wear it 
out and about. You have, you have to wear it on your first date. In fact, we installed a device that once you put it on, it never comes off your body. <laughs> you shower with it. You sleep with it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, okay. um, anyways. I've had a lot of coffee today. So. <laughs> and she's still drinking I'm it. I'm on cup three. So you might be wondering, how do I enter the giveaway, Alyssa? Well, let me tell you. We need you to subscribe to our podcast and leave a written review. And then we will announce the winner once we hit 100 subscribe or 100 reviews and if you uh, don't want to write you can just put a star rating but we do really like the written reviews and speaking of written reviews oh, oh yeah man, I have to get back in here okay speaking to about written reviews here is one from december it's Callista grace i think i pronounced that correctly the best diet podcast brooke and Alyssa are fantastic i love their stories and real life experiences thank you for this wonderful podcast no thank you no for this wonderful you. review we really appreciate it. Thanks. And sharing with your friends is probably the best thing that you can do yes. right now. Yes. That's even better. Written reviews are amazing. Thank you. But I think the best thing that you can do is to share with a friend that, you know, is maybe struggling with diet culture, struggling with with their body image, struggling with anything like that. Yeah. And do it with empathy, guys. Don't do it as like a sarcastic lay down this card and be like, well, you need to listen to this podcast. But I do think sharing amongst friends and it makes it easier right for you, like for your journey of intuitive mm-hmm. eating. And if you're struggling with food thoughts and then there's someone in your life that constantly talks out loud about their dieting journey or something like that, it might be helpful to go on this journey together or listen to our podcast weekly together and then be able to talk about it. It gives you good conversations. That's not all about, you know, weight or how you look or things like that. Um, it's a good way to bond together and it will make your journey a lot easier if the people around you are on the same page as you. I think that's super important. So thanks for sharing with your friends. Um, oh yeah, you get a bonus entry too if you share it on your social media and tag us you have to tag us so we see it um you also have to be following us so that we can see the tag yeah there's things you guys understand social media probably better than we do probably (laughs) yeah for real so enter our giveaway share with your friends thanks for listening um and oh i said this on the other one too but it's so great to get written reviews and stars because that's how Instagram, or that's not Instagram. That's how iTunes decides who to promote our podcast to. So guys, if we get good reviews, then it can actually start floating up above all the diet culture junk that's out there Yes, and start getting the word out about intuitive eating and how keto diet sucks or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks guys for listening. We will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you.